We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to a post-game edition of Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro, joined by Norm Hightower and Derek Ciapala. Let's get right into breaking down the Rams' loss to the Buffalo Bills at home, fall to 3-2. and two. Um, We can start with play calling. How, how do we feel about that fake punt? Let's start with that. Uh, I've been chosen to go first here, I think, because I think Mr. Norm is going to kill it more than I will. I, uh, you go the entire game. Play call, I mean, just fake punts. I can go further than that. I can go further the entire play call. We keep looking back and wondering why on earth Todd Gurley is, is, has had such a horrible year this year. The announcers mentioned it in-game. When you're throwing you know, an offensive set of seven men on the, on the line of scrimmage and you're going up against eight every single time, you're not going to have a running game. Period. Okay, and then you're, then you're not getting any push up front. So just in the play call, when, you're, you're running, when your run scheme has seven men on the line against eight or nine, you're you're hurting. You're you're hurting. You're putting Todd Gurley's playing career at stake at this point. Um, and then last week I had some criticism for for Todd Burley in terms of his burst off the line. His burst was back today. I thought I felt like he was really pushing, finding the hole, finding whatever hole was there, and moving through it. Uh, that that that's good news. But if you're looking at play calling, the run scheme horrible. 
horrible, horrible, horrible. And I cannot believe that that this is what you're putting out on the on an NFL field. Just horrible. Period. Um, passing plays, it's it's more of the same. I mean, we, there are there are opportunities there. Um, the numbers will show differently, but the the, plat, the pass calls just aren't right. But really, it's that it's that fourth down fake punt. You got you got time left in the game, fourth quarter, and you fake a punt deep in your own territory. You need five to get what two, two or three, two, four, Was it two, not enough. Four. So we're short. So we're short, and the Bills score right there, game over. That's just you can't do that in the NFL. You can't do that in any sport. That's absolutely horrible play calling. You just cost your team a victory. There's no logic behind it. What logic? You, you're going to give a team that's run, run all over you this game a short field to run the clock out and put a last touch out there. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. There's no excuse for it. Jeff Fisher, this team has won three out of four games in spite of him, not because of him. This man should be fired. Now they're 3-2. and two. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the horrible coaching. I'm sick of th- this team consistently having bad decisions and X and those. I'm just tired of it. I'm absolutely tired of it. They're winning right now with special teams, with with a defensive line that wasn't there today, but overall with a defensive line that, that has helped them. Now you may have to uh, – I, I, I can just rant forever right now. Well, the fake punt was one of the stupidest calls I've ever seen in my life just for the fact that Fisher's known for that. So everybody in the country knew it was coming. And, you know, then to to just hand it off to Bradley Marquez, um, it's nobody's fault but Fisher's that that happened. Um, the way the defense had been playing when they get him back deep, it would have been smarter to punt the ball, change field position, try to get a turnover or another stop and go from there. So, yeah, it was one of the stupidest football calls I've seen in a very long time. And and uh, I lost a lot of faith in Fisher, even though I didn't have much before, but it's even worse now. But, you know, how hard is it to see eight men in the box or nine men on the box and call an audible and throw the ball down the field? Every, every single team is going to line up with eight or nine guys in the box until the Rams can prove that they can do otherwise. And all game, that's all you saw. Stop Gurley, stop Gurley, stop Gurley. You know, and, and Keenum's numbers aren't bad, but, you know, even looking at the play, like the downfield play through on the sideline to Tavon Austin, if that ball would have been thrown right, Austin would have been gone for a touchdown. But instead, he catches it, barely able to stay in bounds, and goes out of bounds. Um, it's time for Goff. It's time to bring somebody else in there that can bring some spark to it, and hopefully he can recognize that there's eight men, nine men, ten men, hell, twelve men in the box at times, and and do something different. And if it's if it's the offensive coordinator that's keeping that from happening, then he needs to go. I don't think it's the play calling so much as the quarterback's decision making at the line and his lack of audibling. And if he can't audible, then fire them all. Uh, it's just disgusting to see how stupid it is. When you've got eight or nine guys there and you've got seven or eight guys on the line, you're outnumbered every time. You know, yeah, Todd Gurley's a, running, a good running back, but he's not, you know, he's not a freak of nature or anything. He's got to have some help, and you can't you can't beat that every time at the line. So, for God's sakes, call a dang audible or something. And then at the end of the game, you know, yeah, Keenan was backed up, and yeah, he was being rushed, but seriously, you throw that ball for an interception – that was the first time I actually laughed at the Rams on TV. I'm sitting here going, it's so unbelievable, it's funny. Uh, I, I just, I'm sick of it. 
you know, we, we had a chance to win this game and play calling and coaching decisions cost us the game. The, the fake punt was ridiculous and it wasn't even a good fake punt. I mean, we gave it to Bradley Marquez, who's not that good in a bad spot with men everywhere that was going nowhere. And you're definitely right about how predictable it is. You know, when this team comes out in eye, they're not passing it. And the defenses know that and they adjust. And we saw once late in the game where they went to one receiver set and they threw it and it worked because there was only two men back. You have to run out of the shotgun more. You have to get girly involved in the passing game more. You have to throw more out of the eye form. You have to mix things up because when you're doing the same things out of the same formations, obviously defenses are going to adjust to that. It's pretty mind-blowing how bad this gets. And the unfortunate reality for us is I'm with you guys. I think it's time for Goff, and I, I think it's time for, you know, the Fisher era has ran its course. But they're probably looking at this as, hey, we're, we have a winning record. We can't get rid of Fisher yet. And he's probably looking at it as, hey, we have a winning record. I can't get rid of Case Keenum yet. And I will defend Keenum a little bit, okay? I mean, I think Goff should be in, but he played average outside of – that one pick six, but you know, every, it seems like every time he throws a pick, it's an awful costly pick at a horrible time. Yeah, I totally agree. His decision-making is very poor and his lack of mobility. I mean, yeah, he's mobile, but he, when he's in the pocket and you got guys coming around you and he goes outside or runs outside, he doesn't make the right decisions when he does it. He either holds onto the ball and gets sacked or he tries to throw some stupid pass down the field, he ends up in a pick six. You know, if if we're going to have that kind of play out of our quarterback, what do we got to lose to put somebody like Goff in there? You know, yeah. that's my It's not just that, though, Norm. It's not just that. You're talking about bad decisions. When he's moving, he's not stepping up in the pocket. Well, there was one, and the announcers praised him for it. There was one where he stepped up in the pocket. Otherwise, he's moving left to right, right to left. So he's not moving in a way that's going to help him at least get back to the line of scrimmage, at least find somebody, give him an open eye downfield. He's moving right to left, cornering himself, I mean, or right or, or left to right. Either way, he's moving. He's moving in a way that's going to corner himself and give him fewer options. And he's starting off his back foot. He's still throwing off his back foot. The pick six, I mean, I wrote this on Twitter. I said, I said <laughs> if he's, if, if you might as well play your rookie if your veteran quarterback's going to play like one. No, I totally and, agree. And yeah. That was a rookie throw. The, the other thing, too, is, you know, everybody wants to blame the offensive line. Well, when you're going to run the ball with eight, nine, ten men in the box, it's not the offensive line's fault. And when the Rams are passing, it's because they have to pass because they haven't gotten any yards from running the football. And so that's predictable, and you got a hell of a pass rush that comes at you, and you you got to do something quick. So you either have to release the ball quickly in this situation or you're doomed you know there were some good things about the game there were some good plays about the game you know quick is actually starting to look like he could be what we've been hoping he would be and everybody was down on him including myself but i i thought all of us were down on him yeah i before the season started i thought he really had a chance to shine this year and then at camp he looked like crap and in preseason he looked like crap but now all of a sudden he's starting to emerge and, and i'm pleased to see that but Put a quarterback in there that can throw the football down the field and not lob it or throw it way up in the air. You know, 
Quick caught those two touchdown passes, in, you know, in the previous games, and he was wide open, but he had to slow down and, and watch for the ball. And I guarantee you if Goff had thrown those, he could have ran under under him and, and made it a lot easier. And I think Goff's got a more accurate arm, and his decision-making can't be any more poor than what Case Keenum's been doing. I, I think Derek's comment of we were winning despite Keenum, I think is very accurate. And I don't think Goff could do any worse. So let him get in there and get some playing time so that at least he's prepared for next year. And who knows, maybe he'll put a spark under the team and we might have a shot. It's really hard to know who to blame. Is it the offensive coordinator's fault for the play calling? Is it Keenum not calling the audibles on the line when he sees eight, nine men in the box? Is it all Fisher? It's really hard to know who it is, but obviously there's something going on there that needs to change. I think it's all the above. I agree. This is Fisher's. This is Fisher's fifth year. This is Fisher's. You know, this is his, it's his team now, and we've had the same offenses to a varying degree for that entire tenure. You go back and look at his Tennessee years; it's the same thing. You know, it, it's you can say, well, we've had Schottenheimer and we've had. had Naboris and Signetti, but it's all the same kind of stuff. It's drab, it's unoriginal. And the 49ers are saying they knew exactly what the Rams were going to call in that first game. Just the first game. If you're if you're facing eight, nine men in the box, okay, uh, for a run, what the heck? Well, that means you have some open you have open opportunity outside. So you don't throw it all, you just run. Okay, you can say there was no audible about that, but why aren't you coaching your man up and saying, hey, you're free to audible here. You see it. Make the call. That's not happening. Well, that's what it's I'm saying. It's clear it's not happening. Is it, is it, is it Keenum that's not audibling because he doesn't know what to do? Or is it the coach handcuffing him? If it's Keenum, then, it, I, then get him out of there. If it's the coach, then get him gotta out of there. It's got to be the coach. It's got to be the coach handcuffing him because you don't keep playing a man like that. If he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I agree with you. Um, it's hard to say. I I just really think Keenum is done. He's, he's thrown a pick six in the last few games. He's made stupid decisions. You know, it's time it's time to make a change and live or die by the change. I, I don't think the fans in L.A. are going to be pissed off if Goff comes in and takes over for Keenum and doesn't play great. I don't think they're going to be pissed off because Keenum's not playing great. So give him, a, give him a shot. Absolutely. I mean, they can't get mad. And anyone who's actually watched this team knows that, yeah, they start out 3-1, and one, but it's a bit of fool's gold. I mean, maybe, maybe they push for the playoffs. But we, we've seen Case Keenum. We know his limitations. You know, put Goff in there. Maybe you'll catch lightning at the bottom and they'll play great and they'll do something. Maybe he makes some rookie mistakes. But, I mean – Mistakes. Keenum's made mistakes, and we know what Case Keenum's ceiling is. Really, you know, he's a very good backup quarterback, and he's a back end starter, if that. You you paid you paid draft picks to move up and take this guy, and it, I know Derek said this. It's more the same with the Fisher era. I wrote about it in my article this week. You know, five years in, they've just the first year under Fisher, they made great improvements. They went from being one of the worst teams in the league to being a pretty decent team. And we've ran in place for five years. And you saw it today when they showed 
the penalty stats under Fisher. I mean, we've been top six oh, yeah. for five years. That's something that should change with the culture. And, you know, it's not like this is the same group of guys. Yeah, who's the longest tenured Ram? Robert Quinn? Six years? Like, that's probably it. Uh, yeah, maybe, I think the one that. Maybe what, what you were drafted? Quinn, Quinn was <laughs> well, 2011. And yeah, because I think Saffold was drafted in 2012. Was it? Was it? Was 2012 for Saffold? I think you're right. And I mean, either way, it's a couple guys are left from 2011 to 2012. But the, just the thing too is, you go back to when Fisher, the Fisher era began. It was they were the youngest team in the league. Okay, your team as the youngest team in the league should be maturing as the years go on. And they're not. And, yeah. And they're not. They're they're still missing tackles. You know, they're still miss. You know, those those fundamental things we saw them miss today. I'm not mad at the defensive line today. I'm I'm mad at what we saw from the secondary and linebacking core to to get up there and make those tackles because it's not that wasn't our normal defensive line today. You only have one starter in there. The other guys are they're backups for a reason, and, and so it just blows my mind that you have to make those plays. You are NFL, you are NFL starters. You have to make those tackles. You can't have Tyrod Taylor jiving you out your shoes. You just can't have that. And now, and, and, and guys, Hey, we may, we may be without true, true, uh, Tremaine Johnson for a while here. Yeah. Now that would be that looks pretty serious. That, that's, that's at least, that's at least a good sprain. If not worse, I'm not going to complain about the defense at all. Just because of the fact that, three of our starting defensive linemen were gone, and that changes the whole dynamic of the game, not only for the line and not only for the run game, but for the secondary as well because there's not as much pass rush coming on the quarterback that probably would have been. <clears throat> so I'm not going to blame the defense at all for this game. Um, in fact, there were moments that they looked really good. I, I'm more concerned with our offensive production, the stupid mistakes, you take away the pick six and you take away some of the stupid run plays with eight, nine, ten men in the box and we're in this game. So I think it's more coaching either by the head coach or the offensive coordinator or or decision-making by Case Keenum more than anything else in the game. And, of course, the fake punt, that was stupid. So you put all those things together, that's what cost us the game. Our defense didn't cost us the game today. No, it didn't. It didn't. They made mistakes, but they 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 uh, they did not cost us the game. You're right. I, I look at it, though, and I, I just think this is a game the Rams should have won. They should have won this game. Oh, I, you know, I will say yeah. though, I was watching this game with my friend, and he, middle of the second quarter, it was tied. He just goes, <laughs> "You would not think this is a tie game. It looks like the Bills are dominating." So I'd say, yeah, this is a game we should have won, but. I mean, in comparison to the other three games, the Bills were the better team out there. I think we're the better team in general. But, you know, they 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 outplayed us today, I personally think. Well, yeah, there's things well, like up. the girly fumble that cost us. Yeah. Um, you know, the, inter- the pick six. You take away those things, and the Bills did not play us that much. I mean, I agree with you that they, at the beginning of the game, they looked more dominant, but I think the Rams looked more dominant as the game went on and had a legitimate shot at winning the game if it wasn't for mistakes. So, 
it's it's just upsetting to to watch them lose a game that they should have won mostly because of poor poor quarterback play poor play calling and stupid play calling when it comes to the fake punt and to your point you know this is where we go back to fisher and keenum you know they they run in place they didn't take many shots today there was that one play to Tavon where you said yeah if it was a better quarterback might be a touchdown they play conservative and so when it's near the end of the game and you're down down a couple points you get to the point where it's fourth and three and you're running a fake punt on the 30 like you need to take more shots during the game and it, you know if it turns into turnovers it's better than throwing a pick six on a bad out route to a rookie receiver who's blanketed well on that play that quick that long ball they threw to quick um quick was wide open if that ball would have been on target that's probably a touchdown too so i just i'm so sick of the whole case keenum fisher burris crap you know get let the guys go play put the rookie in there mix it up let them throw some audibles out there and change the plays when there's eight, nine guys in the box. Quit calling stupid fake punts, and, you know, in your own end zone. Just just end the stupidity and just let the guys go out there and play. I think, I think we're a talented football team, and I think that we have the option or the ability to go out there and make the playoffs if it wasn't for our coaches and if it wasn't for Case Keenum. And if Goff isn't ready to play yet, and if that's why they're not putting him in there, then they blew it. Because I watched the Eagles game today, and even though they lost by one, Wentz, Wentz looks like a seasoned vet out there. He threw an interception at the end of the game, but at least he was going for the win. And, you know, I look at Keenum and I, I go, God, he just, despite it, despite his numbers, he's horrible. Just to cap off of what both of you guys are saying, too, and just kind of just finish this thing off for the night. Um, I think the story of the early to me is that you know that third down mid more almost mid mid to late fourth quarter now that third down, Keenum throws it off the sideline, had Brian Quick open down the middle about thirty forty yards downfield, straight down the middle, and then missed on that. Remember that? Yeah, there were lots of misses today. Fourth quarter, that was that was a straight. Brian Quick was wide open to beating his man, and they're so they're they're they're. They're losing out. We're seeing we keep we kept complaining over the years about receivers not emerging. And you no, know, Kane and Britt looked decent today. Now we're seeing Brian Quick emerge, getting past this horrible injury he had, finally emerging, and you're blowing it. You're blowing it because you don't have a quarterback who can who can make those decisions and make them with conviction. They've got to learn how to play the play action better. They absolutely have to learn how to play it better. And the quarterback has to have more freedom at the line to make an audible. If they do those things, we have a shot at being a really good football team. Even if Keith Keenum stays a quarterback, if we start with the play action more, start audibling at the line, when they fill the box up, throw the pass. When they don't fill the box off, run the football. It's simple, simple, simple. And it's so simple that, I could do it. I could stand on the sidelines and go, okay, there's nine guys in the box. Let's throw a quick out or a go for a long ball or hit somebody up the middle. It's not that hard. But yet you look at the screen and you go, oh, my God, there's ten guys in the box and they're still running it. Why are they doing this? And that's what's driving me nuts. 
we're not that far away from being a good football team. We just need some right decisions to be made out there. And if they're not going to make them, then get rid of them. That's all we've got for you on our post-game reaction episode of Rams Talk Radio. We're going to have another episode this week getting a little bit more into this game, a little in-depth, and we'll also preview our Week 6 matchup against the Detroit Lions. Maybe we'll have a quarterback change by then. Not likely, but we can hope. We'll see you then. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.